Hello, Jared. Hello. Okay, quiz time since Zach is off at his daughter's graduation event. You know what this is? No idea. I mean, are you trying now to just get these songs that nobody's ever heard? You are thoroughly embarrassing yourself in real time right now. There's a generation of people that are like, this guy is now officially off our good list. (laughs) I don't know. It's theme. Where are we? We're in uh, the Queen City. We are in the Queen City. What's the most famous television show out of the Queen City? I don't know that. That would be... WKRP. Uh, that's before my time, I think. <laughs> no, your dad was watching. He made you watch it. He probably had you at his feet. Is it before time? No. You're a little guy. All right. Enough of that. Now everybody knows we are in Cincinnati, and that is due to uh, a number of different factors. One, obviously, our guest today is here in Cincinnati. Uh, two is, Jared, as usual, on a weekend, we are traveling the country, following the boys around. Yesterday, Columbus. Today, Cincinnati. And the stars didn't really align for us on a number of different fronts. Yesterday's result in Columbus, not good for the 15s or the 17s. Um, But last night on television, we were able to watch our beloved City SC. And thanks to that result, we are able to keep the podcast on the air. (laughs) <laughs> because we did get in deep we i mean we talked a lot of smack i mean the, the size of the hole that we dug uh talking trash is uh i mean it's it's hitting the magma core <laughs> hot uh foro needless say those of you that are listening you know uh we, we 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 predicted a victory we didn't predict that kind of victory but uh the amount of text messages that we were receiving we appreciate all the support and fear for our lives in the event that we would have lost that game but we didn't, so now we get to keep on grinding them into the hole. Yeah, and I tell you what, um, uh, kudos to me. Um, <laughs> we uh, Cincinnati's got this great little downtown area in between the Red Stadium and the Bengals Stadium, so we were we were hanging out there partaking, and um, I, we were at the Moreland Ale House or Lager House. Moreline, yeah. Moreline, and uh, the bartender. We said, "Hey, where are we going to go watch the city game at?" Yeah, and he happened to work at a place up the street. Who had the package? It's called um, in in the in, in between. The in between. So we go into this place. Um, luckily, the um, hell is real game was um, during uh, <laughs> normal hours, and our game went ahead and got the nine something start. That's ridiculous. Um, so we hammered up there to that place, and the bartender just set us up nice. Did he not? Give us three TVs, Gave our own us, little space. It was wonderful. I mean, just, he didn't throw you out. Yeah, the hospitality I mean, of the Queen like, City. Checked all the boxes. <laughs> it's good night, good win. Uh, today the boys played uh, Cincinnati Academy, came out on top, low 5-2, just, just in case you were wondering. And now that we're done with all the small talk, because we don't want to keep too much of our guest time today, um, we're super privileged to have uh, this gentleman on the show. He is another one of the long list of St. Louis legends that have played the game and is now coaching the game. Um, we're just going to drop the name. We have Mr. Pat Noonan on the mic. How you doing, Pat? I'm good, guys. Thanks for having me. Thanks for uh, returning Jared's text messages. <laughs> not, not exactly timely, but I'm glad it worked out. We just I had to too. wait for you to, to drive five hours to uh, to watch your son, and then it worked out. That's awesome, man. Thank, th- thank, thanks again, man. This is, this is going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, you've. Uh, I mean, obviously, we we wanted you. We've wanted you on for a while. We knew that you know, kind of starting the show up. There's a certain uh, list of names. Your 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 name was near the top of the list as well. 
Uh, and then what's been going on with you and your career and, uh, you know, and the team's performance up to this point and advancing in the Open Cup, we were like, oh, shit, is this thing, you know, going to work? And thanks to you for making it happen today. And, um, you know, first off, just congratulations on the year so far. You guys are really killing it. Um, Appreciate it. Noticed, uh, you know, the result last night was a big result for you guys. Um, and you're 8-0 at home, first in the East. To real quickly, kind of give us, you know, where's your headspace? Where's your heart strings right now with the team? How do you feel going into the week? Yeah, today's a little bit of recovery mode. You know, you, a lot of adrenaline just from, you know, the, the build up to the, to the game last night and then certainly the result, uh, which was... I think, you know, a big one for our group because, you know, we, we have not a great history of uh, success against Columbus. And, uh, you know, last year at TQL, we were up 2-1, gave away a late goal, like, you know, last kick. And so there was um, – the aftermath wasn't great, you know, and, and just conceding and, and being that close to a win. So uh, wild game last night. It was entertaining. Um you know, a lot of good quality, individual quality talent on the field to to be able to make some plays and create some some goal scoring chances. So, really pleased that our guys came out on top, and you know, you could feel it in the building. It was yeah. different than yeah. Kudos you to know, your fans. It, the mean, fans that place have been was outstanding, rocking. man. The, the 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 energy you could feel it. It was just different, and so you know, they carry us when when you know we're struggling, and you know, we need to to hear them and feel them, and so. It was nice to reward them for their support and, you know, uh, being behind this club through, you know, a lot of tough times. But, you know, that was one of the better moments that we've had in, uh, in my time here. So let me ask you specifically um, in regards to the rivalry aspect of it, because obviously we assume that is your primary rival being that it's, you know, hour and 30 minute drive down the road. Um, you know, looking around the league and, you know, with last night for us, you know, you being a St. Louis and born and bred, um, you saw the St. Louis Kansas City game going mm -hmm. on. You're living your experience, you know, here with Cincy and the Columbus rivalry. How how good of a job do you think the league is doing in really kind of uh, encouraging or pushing the, the 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 social media teams, et cetera, to like really yeah. throw fuel on that? On these fire? derbies, yeah, like get these derbies going. Yeah, we, I don't want to be critical, but I think we push it sometimes too much and and try to force these rivalries maybe before they've become one and certainly Cincy and Columbus you know has a, a rivalry to it you know dating back to you know but far long before my time so rivalries for me entail um, memorable games um, certainly the proximity factors into it just like you know, SKC and, and, and St. Louis City SC so um, you need to have memorable moments. And sometimes when we talk about rivalries, it's, you know, for me, all right, what are the memorable games or moments? And, and why is why are we calling this a rivalry? And mm -hmm. so uh, you need a history. You need a long history. For me, four or five games, you know, I, right away it was El Trafico. And certainly that has become a rivalry. And right. uh, for, for, for reasons of Zlatan and the games and how they played out. But it's got to be organic. It has to be something about these these games, the coaches, the you know the the social media aspect that, that right. drives it in a in a real way. And and then on the field, is there a, a, I don't want to say hatred, but a, like a real dislike for your opponent. The game last night had great intensity. Myself, I would say for the other coach and Will for Nancy, we don't drive it well because it's not our personalities. The right. fans have to drive it. You know, the the history has to drive it. And so it wasn't like 
we got on the field and you just see a bunch of bodies colliding and dirty tackles and it, that wasn't the game. So even though it, it is a rivalry, um, you know, I would, you're not talking about Celtic Rangers, you know, right, you're not right. talking about Boca <laughs> River. It's, it's, it's just going to Bush take, Gallagher. It's going to Bush Gallagher. It's going to take time. But, no, North, North County, South oh, County. Yeah, I'm <laughs> one sign, one sign on highway 71 and we have a rivalry. Um, I'm often critical of, of the rivalry talk because, um, you know, sometimes it's just driving, you know, that right. narrative. But, you know, th there, there are some some real ones. And I think last night was a good indication of where ours, you know, stands. And, um, you know, hopefully the games feel like that uh, yeah. continuously moving yeah. forward. Yeah, because, you know, it's after last night's results across the league, like um, my fear for St. Louis is like we really don't have a rival yet. Mm -hmm. You know, <laughs> last night's 4 four nothing. I'm I'm throwing a lot of shade at Kansas City, by the way, because I want to ask your opinion about that rival rivalry on paper and in the media in particular. Do you just laugh at reading the stories on you know soccer capital, soccer city? What's your take? You know, you you you're three one four, right? right? So watching it from afar, do you have like a aha or an I gotcha feeling about that particular trash talk? I I don't, but. Um, to be honest, I don't, I don't read, uh, a ton of it. I don't read into a lot of it. So right. I wish I had the time to read all these, you know, articles in the back and forth, but you know, I got enough going on in, in my life with this busy. job, with my family, with all these things. And so, um, there are certain aspects of it that I've picked up and, you know, it's the first game in terms of league play, MLS right. league play. So, yeah. okay. Yeah. You know one game here's you know the rivalry is the history of right, you right. Know, soccer city and and casey i've i've now seen that back and forth but well i'll um, tell you what rumors um could be you know as they add san diego getting awarded that franchise potentially and if there's some shuffling and maybe st louis goes east this could be a real rivalry, you know, since he's St. Louis. I mean, it, it, it's a, it could be a legitimate rivalry. Well, yeah, the, you, you need know. games. Like Saint, right now, based on, you know, East and West, we won't see City potentially, you know, next year. It's, it's just a matter of, of the right. – uh, but, you know, if they move into the East, then all mm -hmm. of a sudden, you know, it's a different talking point. And you're seeing them a couple times a year as opposed to once every, you know, year or two years. So Absolutely. you need games. You need uh, volume and uh, – you know, I, I imagine, you know, it's whether it's St. Louis City and SKC or if we, f we fall into that or Chicago. rivalry talk, Chicago, it'll organically become something where yeah. those games that, that you have with, you know, the, the closer proximity uh, league teams, uh, you'll know and you'll feel it. And, um, you know, I know you guys uh, had a nice result yesterday against <laughs> SKC, but um, you, you just need more. You need more of the games. Well, I, I want to ask you about um, kind of your, your reaction to, uh, you know, as a fan, as a kid that grew up in where you did and, you know, in your career and all the boxes that you've checked and the people that have been close to you in the game, talking about St. Louis City in particular, when you found out that they were going to be awarded the team and, you, you know, you, you found out who the ownership group and you saw who was being brought in, you know, can, can you give us just your two cents on, you know, what, what it meant to you to know that your hometown was going to be entering the league, uh, you know, and in, in your insight to the players that were involved in helping develop it and obviously fund it and, uh, you know, from Lutz and, and even the Twelmans, right, and mm -hmm. their role in the process. Right. What did it mean to you to see your hometown get the team that we have now? 
Long time coming. You know, that the conversations have been going on long enough where you get teased into thinking, all right, you know, we're going to have a team. We're going to have a team. We're going to have a team. And um, our city has deserved um, a major league franchise for a long time. So it's, it's very satisfying. It's gratifying to see now um, it, it come to fruition. You know, they're here and, you know, they've done an excellent job in, in terms of building, um, you know, a successful starting point with where they're at in league play right now, um, taking the time to get the staff together, to get players in the, in the market prior to even being, you know, uh, a major league soccer team. And so having them involved in the second team last year and playing games and getting familiar with their new city and environment, that stuff, that matters when you look at now the immediate success they're right. having. But for those like, you know, myself, Jared, who were, uh, you know, we grew up in this, I say this city, we're sitting here in Cincinnati, but when I say we grew up in, you know, St. Louis and uh, I don't want to say lived and breathed soccer because uh, we were playing all kinds of sports. Yeah. That was just a part of our upbringing where it was baseball, basketball, soccer. But uh, our, I think our best memories, uh, safe to say, uh, are from our, our soccer days and our, the competition with Scott Gallagher and Bush. And then when you talk about St. Dominic and yeah. the Smet and the Metro Catholic Conference, um, Without you know, question, there there were so many um, or are so many names that have come out of, you know, our city that that had success and that were a part of, you know, I don't want to say building that that culture of uh, of of soccer and success and and you know so many memorable moments that that's why people talk about St. Louis. Uh, the way they do because it is a hotbed for soccer and when i say we there's people that yep, were long yep, before yep. our time that's what we that, talk about yeah, all the time I mean, I mean so i don't want to be disrespectful you know to to those that actually uh were at the forefront of of building you know, Soccer City. Yeah, that's, that's we talk about all the time on this show. I mean, it's the names you mentioned. It's it's the Taylors. It's you know the Altros, the 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 five on the England on the USA team right. in the nineteen fifty world. I mean, we talk about it all the time. I mean, it, it's you said it great because the the city is deservedly so. You yeah, know? you the know, history so runs very deep, and now you, I bet the amount of text I got when we were in town. And then some from people I hadn't heard from a long time, you know, I'm a season ticket holder, I'll be in the stadium. And it, it was just really, it's really cool to see all of uh, the people that have been a part of, you know, that soccer environment, getting to enjoy, uh, you know, that 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 stadium, uh, that environment. I mean, it, it's a real, it's a real environment. How about the... Um the the team noon insurance. That's, how what, that's did, what I how was going to talk about. Yeah. I mean, how, did you guys have the maid? I mean, who made them? I mean, there was a well, seventy team noon. Well, there. yeah. So let's let's set the table a little bit though, because Jared and I are infamous for not being able to sit down at any game, whether it's City SC or our child's. I just and saw you guys are standing, walking the walk, Yeah, we stay away from humans. Like, and they, good for them because that's they don't want us around sport, either. That's better, you know. So, but we were standing down in the corner at a hundred on the uh, on the southeast corner of the stadium in 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 walks this it was just a line of white tees team noon and blue 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 i think they were blue with orange lettering yeah yeah you're right you're right and it was but team noonan was yep. what was yep. printed on it and i think it was god it had to have been like 30 35 i turn around i look at this that's this is the awesome. family was that was that's, that all the family that was um cousins um aunts uncles yeah it was uh, a good crew, good following. They've always been great supporters of mine. Where did they go? Where did they go for the two-hour end delay? Were they, they just were, at the bar? They too? were scattered. It was. Yeah. I'm t I'm, it was funny. I'm laying on the ground in the uh, in the coach's office. We're watching all the games, so it wasn't the worst. You could, you know, usually you don't get to see any of the right. action because it's all kicking off at the same time. Uh, same time now with the Apple deal, but 
Um, they're all texting me different pictures of where they're at. Um, some alehouse, you know, yep. one, one, you know, we had a crew that was in the hotel yeah. uh, that we were staying at just at the bar. If some were using my, my room, uh, just to hang out. And I was just giving them updates of, Hey, yeah. 30 more minutes, 45 more minutes. Ugh. And so three or four different groups. And then they, uh, finally got the word that we were kicking off and well, all came to the stadium. It was so funny because we were, we literally were standing kind of on the corner above where they were all seated and they were seated directly below the, your traveling supporters. Right. And you know, we, we all know how that game went and I was kind of watching. Not good, I, right? Um, well, it depends, depends on, what's on who you ask. I wasn't wearing a team Noonan shirt. Um, I, I, you know, <laughs> congrats on your victory. Yeah. Thank you. But yeah, no, but it was like, I, I'm always Show's curious, <laughs> but I'm always curious about kind of that, that, that relationship of family members to players on the field or coaching staff or whatever. Right. And especially whenever it's, it, it, they're coming in from the opposing quote, opposing team. Mm-hmm. And I'm watching them react to the goals. And it was almost like the first goal goes in and, it was this like they didn't know what to do. Should we cheer because we're from St. Louis right. and we're happy? But wait a second, that's our that's our guy. Did did any of them like express? I'll wear this shirt, but you no, know. they were wearing that shirt and they were supporting. Heck yeah, FCC. They, they, this was <laughs> the noon and blow on that night. Stick. They were they were not city fans. So, um, but I know a lot of them. You know, do enjoy you know being able to follow the team now. So yeah, when we're not playing them, they're they're following and they're supporting. But you know, my family's always been loyal. great supporters, loyal supporters of, you know, of my career and, you know, my travels. And so wherever I'm at, they're typically rooting for that that team. So they were, they were you know, blue and orange. As they should. Uh, As they should. Okay. I mean, didn't, didn't give them uh, uh, a lot to cheer about. And uh, yeah, that was, yeah, that was a tough night. No, I, 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 I felt for them. That was a tough night. You know, good for them, though. They, I love the shirts. That was awesome. Um, let's, let's go ahead and like, rewind yeah let's wind the clock back yeah because i think it's like now that we've kind of got to the point you know those that are listening are they know who you are they they know the successes that you that you are having at this level as a coach but let's talk about the playing days um you grew up in baldwin correct correct um you know talk a little bit about your 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 own youth path because so many of the other guests that we've had on here, part of the thing that our listeners really like is they want to know kind of the X's and O's, who, what, why, when, yep. you know, what club, the did secret you play sauce, for, you know, and, um, you know, what club did you start at, you know, uh, and we'll get to DeSmet and beyond after that. Man, where to start? Um, Scaliger was, was the club, you know, that's, that's where. I spent, you know, a majority of my Debatable. time at the at the at the, <laughs> at the club level. I, I do remember the first team I cut, got cut from. I think was Leby. Uh, oh, I remember geez. getting cut, wow. and 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 that was the first time. Of, it was like how, a, how old were you when that happened? Roughly. Are we talking teens? Like, and was it no, that no, was nine, it that coach's like, last year ever to coach? Nine, ten, <laughs> nine, eight, eight, nine. Uh, you know, my my memory stinks, but. That was the first time of getting cut and being like, you know, oh well, it was it was a, a wake up call because you know I thought I was I thought I was a shit, but no, I stepped in. I had a bad tryout and yeah. didn't make the team, but um, it led to the the Gallagher days and uh, up until we collaborated with Bush to um, you know right before leaving for college, mm-hmm. it was it was all Gallagher. But um, who, who was your early coaches, trainers? Who who stood out to you in the oh, Gallagher days? Man, um, Mike Collum. Um, oh, sure. Uh, Tommy Howe. Tommy, heard of him. Mike Vane. We got we got some names. Uh, yeah. Great coaches, great people. Um, and to, and to be honest, when you talk about the path, 
you know, it wasn't just soccer for me growing up. Um, and it wasn't, you know, like this was my passion. I was, I think I was pretty good at it, but I love baseball. I love basketball. I just love competing. You were I good at those sport. too, by the way. Like, don't be humble because, I mean, you're the leadoff hitter at DeSmet, you know, in the state championship game. Yeah, you know, so you you were a good baseball player too, by all accounts. I could hold my own, but you know, I knew it was ending. Uh, yeah, you know, in the high school days, but um, you know, and that's when I think I realized in in high school that there's a good chance to to make a career. Of this, you know, I'm getting recruited from some top universities, so, but going back, it was just, you know, soccer was something that I was talented at, I was good at, but the passion didn't start until later. But going back to those coaches, they were instrumental. I remember Tommy Howe, the amount of time that, you know, this guy put into trying to coach us, the, mm -hmm. the technical side and, and, and the individual, he was very much about Brazil and yeah. he loved those teams and, and that's kind of how we coach. And I didn't respect uh, the coaches enough at a young age and appreciate the work that they were putting in. I, I didn't like practices i just loved playing games mm -hmm. yeah and so i would miss practices to play in you know baseball games or uh you know basketball games and then i would you know uh, you know go to the games the yeah, soccer games trump practice well that's and, how we that's how we grew up let, let, and times have changed you know you, you just can't get away with that well, now no, in the world we, we live in yeah and that's that's what i wanted to kind of follow up on because it's it's really kind of one of those uh household debate debated items right. every day nowadays and that is multi-sport uh, uh participation um, it, obviously, here at, uh, at the club FC Cincinnati, you have the academy kids that are all, you know, they're the next front, right? Um, and what you just described was uh, competition. You like to compete. You played these other sports. You, you know, you were able to excel to other sports, but you had a choice, you know, in the, in the late 90s in particular. Um, but as youth soccer has developed, a lot of that is being taken away. And, and it's not just... a, a soccer's fault these other sports are really doing the same thing over time do, do you have an opinion as to you know in those formative years that 10 to 15 10 to 16 you know when kids can be competitive right. how important is it for kids if possible to play other sports i think that age range is probably a good time when you start saying okay you know for your child and i'll use my son as an example my daughter um what do, what do you want to do? You know, mm -hmm. we, we try to get you in all these different sports. For me, at a young age, put him in everything. My son plays baseball. He plays soccer. Um, he wants to play golf. He did basketball. My daughter, soccer, basketball, uh, volleyball. Figure out what they like. Um, don't let it be too competitive. Um, it, you, they're going to burn out if, if you're trying to say, you know what, my son's good at soccer. Let's let's get him in the top club and let's just focus on this at the, at the age of seven, eight. For me... Um, I don't. I don't agree with that approach because the kid's going to get burnt out. Now there are there it's are outliers. Proven. There are outliers to that. Just the driven kid that right. he's he's just great at soccer, or or or, or the uh, the girl that's just great at soccer, and um, this is their path. There's that's the case. But for me, they they should be playing multiple uh, sports if they enjoy multiple sports right. to have the ability to develop in different ways, the hand-eye coordination, all, all of mm -hmm. these things that are going to help them in whatever they decide to choose if that's the route they go, which is sport, you know, in right. those years of 10 to, to 16, like you say. Totally now, agree. When, when you start talking about uh, youth development and us being, uh, you know, on the global stage, we're trying to compare ourselves to, to other countries and, and, and sport is the top uh, soccer is the top sport in these countries. We right. have baseball, we have basketball, we have football, we have hot, we have too much for it just to be focused on one. 
and, and in a lot of those other countries, that's why right. they're ahead is they have the history and this is their path. This is what everybody's doing. So uh, for me, at those ages, if we say, okay, uh, soccer's f what my son wants to do or what my daughter wants to do, okay, now let's start to think about you know, going down one path and, and, and let's see what the best path is uh, mm -hmm. for you to develop and, and eventually, uh, if your dream is to become a professional player or a, a you know, collegiate player, whatever that, uh, wherever you're trying to get, that's when I think you start to to hone in on, uh, you know. And that timing's different for everybody. I mean, it, it clearly is. That timing's different for everybody. Well, I think also the big component is, um, you know, just kids in general are frankly reaching puberty and accelerated growth earlier and right. earlier and earlier, right? And I think at that stage, you know, that's where we've seen with our own children at this point, and you probably see it at the club level, uh, you, 13, 14-year-olds these days are not the same as whenever we were 13, 14. No. Uh, they're bigger, they're faster, they're stronger. And their ability to really excel at any one of these given sports is accelerated. So what, you know, do you look at that and do you like still try and measure, you know, where their ability is, but where their mental maturity is? Uh, just, you know, looking at your kids coming down the pipe, right. how do you plan on managing that on your own? That's a good question. Because I'm, I'm still trying to figure it out. I try to, to, to guide them to, you know, do certain things to stay active and, and social and, 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 and try to meet people and, and figure out what do you enjoy doing? And then at a certain point, all right, uh, what are we going to start to hone in on? Like I said, but um, they're still, you know, my daughter's 11, my son's nine. They're too young. Um, you know, they're, they're not mentally... Uh, at a place where they can make these decisions right. on their own. They need the guidance of, of parents um, to, to lead them down the right path. And then there's going to be a point where they're like, Mom, Dad, this is what I want to do. Okay, uh, we'll try to support you every way we can to, to help you have success in doing that. But um, at what age, 13, 14, 15, I, I don't know. At 13, I can tell you this. Uh, <laughs> How, how mature were you at 13? Uh, I'm still not mature. Yeah, yeah I was going to say 13. You should have seen him last night. You know? um, <laughs> it's a work in progress. But but I think what's different now is from, from when we were growing up is just the, the level of information we have yeah. with yes. social media yes. and, and the ability for, you know, the, the 11, 12, 13-year-old to gain knowledge about, you know, yeah. whatever it is they're trying to pursue. Where yeah. back back when we were growing up, you just didn't have that. No, so. no you Well, didn't. I, you know, it's funny because I was literally thinking about that just the other day because we came back from Baltimore uh, last week and where was the next flex qualifying tournament, right? And uh, there's a couple of Instagram pages that all the kids love, right? They all follow it, and, you know. The page could put a picture of a dandelion out there and it's going to get 10,000 likes. You know, it's all these kids are like, yeah, you know, follow me. And they repeatedly put these kids' names, uh, different kids, different clubs, you know, but they're you, you 15, but they're uh, 13 years old. They're playing up. And it's like, next best thing, you know, and this kid. And these kids like gobble it up. Mm -hmm. And I'm thinking to myself, you know, this kid hasn't even hit puberty. He's not close. Like, he might have just started. He's got a little peach fuzz. But what's going to happen, you know, in... How good is that for them to be thinking, I'm the man? I, I know. I'm the man right now. Does, and, does and, that, and you've does had that bother one, you? You've had one, uh, it, this is like the rivalry talk, you know. We, we drive this narrative uh, 
of the next best thing because we see one good game. We do it, you know, at the professional level with, uh, you know, the 17 year old that comes onto the field and has a great game. Yeah. And and yeah. now it's we're talking about them for you know the national team or we're talking about them in Europe. And it's let's get past like maybe a a six month or a year of of consistency and how you twice. perform. Like, but to, we 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 are all over the. You know, this is the next best thing, and there's a couple, a couple names I won't use them of, of guys right now that are uh, professional players that a couple years ago were talked about like this was going to be the savior, and, yep. and they're already bench players and bouncing around from league to league. It's just, it's 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 not fair to the actual players, you know, because I don't think even the 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 17, 18, 19, 20 year old is mentally yeah. uh, mature enough to be able to handle that. Uh, at a professional level, so you, you know the thirteen-year-old kid yeah, who just who just took over at MLS net, or at the Flex tournament that had a great tournament. Uh, he can handle all this social media attention to he, him scoring a bicycle kick, and now he's the next best thing. Uh, it's too much pressure on him, and unfortunately, it's the world we live in, and people are going to yeah. drive that narrative. But um, I like to see consistency in people and, and players performing before you're, you know, going to crown him the you know the next best thing in in yeah. terms of. Uh, you know, U.S. soccer talent. Yeah, because there's a there's like a mushrooming effect of all of that, and, and and frankly, I blame parents. You know, because parents are fully aware of the sites, of the links, of the quote viral, and there's no that you know most don't put any like speed bumps in the process or mm-hmm. hey, time out, let's check this. You because know, it, it, Jared, you know, talking about this, right? Uh, do you remember what round uh, of the MLB draft Danny Almonte went? No, I don't. <laughs> That's right, because Damn it wasn't. <laughs> right? What a name. How about right? that? Of course. I got WKRP bit. here and then Danny Almonte reference. Wow. So, wow. Uh, but, I mean, it's, I always think of that story because I'm like, this is, these kids aren't even close. It's not even... I remember. Do we even know how old, how old Danny Almonte I think he was? was. I, it was thirteen 15. was the number, well, but it was like there was some uncertainty around that. Yeah, yeah I think. Yeah, well, yeah. he was he was on the cover of ARP the other day, so I mean, like he, <laughs> he's accelerated. Yeah, okay. <laughs> so, yeah. Okay. Um, let's so so let's I, we'll get back to the path here um, because your dismet years, uh, you know, you had a you had a really good high school career, and that's. You know that opened the door to your college options. Talk about the options and why you chose IU. Well, let's talk about Desmet one more time. I mean, your your run in the state tourney. I told, um, but I told my son we wouldn't talk about Desmet that much because my son's from SLU. (laughs) Oh, there you go. So So, maybe just for the one part. Yeah, there we go. What about? I mean, give us a story about you know that run in your state tourney. Um, I think '97. You guys win it. Yeah. Um. Growing the hair out. I mean, you got the crazy hair. Uh, I think Matt McKeon comes in and, and trains you guys. He was a global. I mean, he was a national star. I mean, how about he that? He came in and kicked the shit out of. I mean, it, when he came in and trained with us, it was like a, a man and boys. And it yeah, was right. like I remember thinking, like, why is he crushing everybody? Right? Like, <laughs> relax, man. But it was it was just somebody that was like, I'm gonna teach these kids what it's going to be like at the next level. It was it was it was pretty cool looking back. That's a cool but at experience. the time I remember thinking like man, this guy's really serious. You know, take, you know, let's let's just pump the brakes Settle a little down. bit. But uh, well, <laughs> it's just a game fucker. He was a man. Um, <laughs> and so, yeah, the Dismet years were th- th- those were great years. Those four years, Greg Vitello, uh, what a coach. That that th- I think that four-year period helped really mature me and when I say really mature me to to be ready for the next step, the next step, which was college yeah. at IU. But 
I, I absolutely loved I, I thrived in, in in those games in the, the CBC tournaments and mm-hmm. um you know the state tournament and that playing run, your rival at that, soccer park. At yeah. soccer park yeah. C B C in the final and you know, there was an early red card with a handball and uh, you know, I remember I scored the second goal, but you know, we played up a man for mm-hmm. a decent amount of that, but playing at soccer park, you know, five thousand, whatever the number was there, it was just like that that was for a, a 14, 15 year old, what were we, 16, 17? Um, that's a cool experience, yeah. you know, at Absolutely. that age. Um, so, I, I love those games. So, really, a part B of the earlier question talking about multi sports, et cetera, really falls into line with what we're talking about right now and that high school experience because that is also uh, a new debate that families, that players have to go through that are at the academy level because obviously there's yeah. the exclusion. You know, do, do you have? Two, you know, two cents of a thought on kind of what that experience. Other means. than you wouldn't trade it for your life. No, I mean, I wouldn't. I, mean, I wouldn't. I, I, I loved that. That path was the right path for me to be. You know, I would after after school three whatever the uh, the bell rang at three o'clock. It was we were out on the field at four um, when the season was over, and then it was basketball, and then it was baseball. I wouldn't trade that, you know. Um, It was right for me at that time, but I understand that's not for everybody. Mm -hmm. We all have a different path. You mentioned it, Jared, and how we get there. But I I thrived in in multiple sports and and, and just the the different challenges and the different ways of competing. Because if it was just soccer for me at that time, I think I probably would have got burnt out. Another thing that's important to to comment on, too, as well, is, is that path you're talking about. I know this for a fact because we have mutual friends. Mm-hmm. Those kids you went to school with and played soccer, basketball, and baseball, a lot of them did the same thing yep. and played multi-sports. Those are your friends for life. Yeah. I mean, I mean, th- those are like, I mean, you don't remember, you did remember the goal you scored, a man up against, you know, CBC in the state championship, but I'm sure you remember the bus ride to, you know, wherever you played or yeah. the, the bus ride home after you got spanked by somebody you oh, should have beat. Best. Where you, you, know, play, where you th- playing that Uke, stuff. The tournaments were, I mean, not just for, for us as, as kids, but our, your parents. I mean, yeah. your parents, my parents loved going on the trips. I remember the buses, they'd have their cooler of beer in the middle, uh, yep. loving like the, you know, just the, uh, the social aspect of, of these tournaments. I mean, you're doing it right now in a different way, but you, yep. you drove to Columbus to Cincinnati to to follow your kids and I'm sure there's you know parents that you know you two are enjoying yeah. your time together absolutely it's, that's those are memorable um, you know moments uh, from my past and 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 I love it but you know a little bit of that is is gone when when you start to focus on it's just yeah. one thing and um, you know this this is what I'm going after in terms of the academies now yeah. so yep. um, it's not for everybody and it's not for every parent. So, so another part of that that I want to kind of keep kind of pulling out here is, you know, and we, we've all lived it personally, and what you're talking about is really the, the role that competition, the will, the desire to win, to win with your friends, you know, because there's, there's a goal. There's a defined goal when you play high school soccer in particular. Uh, you start the season, and you want to make the playoffs, and you want to win state. Yep. It's a very linear line, right? Yep. And in the advanced academy world, yes, there are things to play for. There's always something to play for that's baked into the math. But the hyper-focus on competition and winning as a team is definitely 
I wouldn't say a distant second, but maybe a one B two player development. Yeah. What's what's your two what's your what's your, what's your thoughts on the, the 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 compare and contrast of let's find kids, teach them how to compete, and let's make them better as individual players. If we're just talking about you know academies and and certainly you see now established academies and and right. the top players um, in the markets that are that are going that route and so for those kids in in those academies, um, it's it's not just about winning now. You, their goal is to be a professional player mm-hmm. and it's not just about you have to you have to understand how to win. That is a part of it, but at the at the U thirteen level, you know what, we, what we're seeing outside today. That for me, that when I'm watching the game, I'm not looking at who's winning no, the game. No. Yes, it's important. We 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 want FCC to win. You you want City to win. I want to see which kids are are figuring out how to uh, learn the game, and and part of that is struggle. Part Body of that movement. is okay. This is um, uh, you know a, a top prospect, but. Um, you know, he's struggling to understand how to defend the box or he's struggling with his fitness. So how are we, how are we allowing him to struggle, uh, in, in, at the end of a game and, and maybe you concede a goal and maybe you lose, but those, that for me is the coach's job in, in the development phase is to, to put aside at times the, the, the wins and the losses, um, to improve the player. Uh, in their game understanding or or their technical ability, tactical tactical understanding, whatever it is, uh, the physical component, development is a priority at a young age um, when you're when you're talking about trying to become a professional. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, so that's that's interesting. So so you know, your next step after Desmet is you're going into IU. And you play for a guy who probably gets it at a higher clip than most humans. <laughs> all the shit you just explained. Yeah. So uh, talk about the Yagley years. Man, I, I, just the names, Vitello to Yegley, and then all the coaches professionally. I was really fortunate to be coached by some of the best um, at those levels. And, and Jerry Yegley, for me, of course, it's I'm biased. It, he was the best college soccer coach. And so I, and it wasn't just him as a coach. It was him as a uh, leader. Developing as, men. As a develop, developer of men. Yep. And yep. he cared so much more about just um, – you know what what you did on the field he wanted to know about my family how are my parents when are they coming in to to watch me play uh how's my sister doing at Tulsa he just knew everything about your family and he cared and when you have a coach that cares like that for you as a human being yeah you go the you go a little bit further for that I don't, guy well, well, let me ask a little you. bit harder for that guy to to achieve success but he was uh, what what a what a great coach and what a better human being. Let me ask you about the family experience of your process because coming out of Desmet, uh, I'm assuming you had quite a few uh, offers coming down the pipe. You chose IU. How close were your parents to the process, and what was that experience of letting them know? Uh, you know, when you got the phone call or the yeah. letter or whatever it was. What, yeah. what was that moment like? Uh, <clears throat> it was a cool moment. I, I, the the reason for choosing IU was you know proximity. I I wanted to get out of St. Louis. Um, I, I I knew that, but um, I remember being uh, going on recruiting visits to um, Duke in North Carolina, and I loved the North Carolina visit. That that was probably my second choice. But I just had that feeling when I went to Indiana with the meeting with with Coach Yeggs, and then how I felt around the the players at the time, how they treated me on that recruiting visit. 
Did you, did, um, you, I, did you get it like to the clip that you know of how he developed men like when you were 17, 18 going on that visit and choosing it for that reason? Yeah. How much was it about character versus game? <sighs> That's a good question because when I went, I knew I was going into a, a, a champion. Yeah. You know, they had just yep. won the, uh, the NCAA championship. And when you when I was on my recruiting visit, the way the players described coach and um, the team and the university, yeah. the experience, um, it, it was special. You yeah. know, you, you yeah. could see that. You could feel that. And I remember I did it. Uh, I was on the trip with Doug Warren, who ended up being a, a teammate um, both in college and in, or a roommate in college and then professionally. But it, it, I just had uh, the right experience and, and I knew it. Yeah. And then so when you asked about the, the, the moment, I remember being on the phone and my right. talking to Coach Yeggs talking about the scholarship that I was going to get. And my parents were on the line as well. And we were in different rooms in the house. And the and cord just, was 40 I, feet I, long. It, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Your mom used to whip you with it when yeah. she was cooking dinner. Who, who was amazing how many, how many spirals. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, who was on the red phone? Who, yeah. was, who had the presidential? Well, and I tell you what, I mean, what you're saying about Yeggs and just growing up in the Midwest, playing soccer, uh, didn't have the fortune to, to, to play for him or, or even get that opportunity. But men are being a shithead or being a jerk coming out of Indiana uh, said no one ever. I mean, no. because the, the, the best the best compliment you can give that guy other than all his accolades and all his success winning is I've never heard of a shithead coming from Indiana. Well, yeah. he he knew everything that was going on, by the way. I mean, obviously – you know he had he had plenty of uh, he had a large network yeah. uh, in in the, in that university and so if somebody was getting out of line in terms of grades or um, you know off the field conduct he knew about it and you were in his office and then you had a real conversation about it and it was over and so um, he knew how to manage that um, you know in such a um, and he was an expert at it and, and, so and that's that- why you talk when you say like nobody there's no shitheads. He 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 knew how he was a great judge of character, and if anybody was on a line, he he knew how to you know Nip pull him back mud. in yeah. and and then say yeah. no, this is not what we're about, and this is not uh, what, you, what what you want to become. Yeah. And so yeah. Yeah. He, he was he was so good at managing that. So now that we've distracted from the original question twice, what was the original? Question? <laughs> the original question, and I blame me and Jared on this. Yeah, though. me too. Your parents' reaction to the moment when they knew when you told them when they were on the phone. Yeah. What what was that? What was that? Moment I could like? sense like my my father on on the on the line like it was like that that pause of like oh this is a real this is a real <laughs> offer you know in terms of uh, um, that number and so. Um, then the, the you know you hang up the phone and then you just kind of walk into the other room and it was just like you know I just remember I think you know it's just that big hug like yeah we knew I wanted to go to IU but this just solidified it this call it was so, real and he was it, it was real. like holy shit Coach Yeggs wants you to come to Indiana so big hug from my mom and dad and it was it was a cool moment because they you know you you know it with our careers growing up uh, or our careers in youth sport your your parents are driving you around everywhere mm-hmm. and it's, they're it's, at your it's games. almost rewarding them it is it is a reward to them because i remember how much uh, joy they got from watching their children not Absolutely. just myself i'm i'm one yep. of five i had three older sisters a younger brother and they were somehow involved in all of our yep. um sporting and events. and holding full time traveling full time jobs yep. um yep. in debt and it was just like to see the the joy that they got out of their son um, you know, getting a scholarship to a top university, 
uh, it was really, it was, it was very rewarding and, um, uh, they've been, they're here this weekend. Uh, yeah, they've been the biggest special. supporters of, of my, you know, career in life. What do we got there? So I, I'm going to, so where'd they take you to dinner that night? That's, that's my real question. Do you remember? No, I don't know. That's Little where the pizza? memory yeah. is. Yeah. Maybe some emos. <laughs> <laughs> some emos. Some toasted you know, R's. Yeah. We, well, yeah. I mean, what else are you going to get? I think what, it, when I, when I got my, we had, uh, Ernie and Annie's tacos. I think my mom made chicken tonight. <laughs> Chicken tonight. She, she was like, about time, Jared. Rich and Charlie's <laughs> night. We had Rich and Charlie's down the street. Uh, or Duffy's. We were at maybe at Duffy's. Ah, uh, yeah. there you go. Yeah. Well, hey, we're, we're going to come right back. We're going to talk. Okay. Uh, we're going to shift up from playing for free to getting paid to play. Got it. So uh, thanks for your time. The term staycation was really invented by soccer moms. Located one hour and seven minutes from the arch, the Music Box Chalet at Innsbruck is a hidden gem. Buried in three acres of private woods, the Music Box has a master suite for just you, a loft and second bath for them, and a vinyl collection to meet your every mood. The full-size kitchen will easily accommodate three to 12 bottles of rosé, while the huge fire pit seating area will keep the big kids busy. Golf, fishing, kayaking, pickleball, or simply reading a book with Mother Nature, all at your fingertips. Visit either VRBO or Airbnb to find the Music Box Chalet. And now, back to those guys. They cert- they, they have a certain amount of give a F. Oh, there's there's a lot of give and F. Yeah, yep, like you said, yep. you're not talking to your son because you know yeah. he's, he's bothered by this right now. Yeah. Well... So I mean we're 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 back live here as well. Um, so let me let me ask this question real quick before we shift into your uh, pro career um, losses. You know we we were just talking about the you know the balance of competition versus player development and, and talking in real time about our kids and kind of expectation with wins and losses and you know it's weird to uh, come across an individual that's playing at this level that isn't bothered by a loss like you should be bothered but maybe right. it's not the priority uh in your uh early career what's the loss that still stings whether it was a high school loss or a club loss because we all we all know we know the the one yeah. that got away in high school sophomore year i missed a pk um was it sophomore year no my senior year against cbc um and he it was and it was windy and it was on it was on turf and you know I, I couldn't get the ball to to stop moving but the reality was I had to take the PK and I had to take <laughs> my hand off it and, and and I and I was always going to to my left mm-hmm. and and that's the way the wind was going it was just you know naive like well, okay change it up man go the <laughs> other way because that you know and yeah. I missed I missed left and uh, uh, we lost that game um, that bothered me was a it lot. on two or three at soccer park which was an ice um, rink. It, was it against Once, CBC? When you're, when you're pulling into the parking lot, first turf field and then the one next to it. Yeah, two, that's three is the far one. Yeah. Three? Yeah. It was on three. Wow. And well, remember if the you turf need, when well, we were growing up there? I mean, it was a concrete the only, with a yeah, sheet the, of AstroTurf. Well, if we need, clar- oh, yeah. if we need clarification, <laughs> we can just call Terry. Because I guarantee that man has it in his notebook exactly oh, what yeah. he did that day. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, that, one, that, that one hurt. Yeah. Um, College, just because it was, you know, it's the last one we lost at, at, uh, as a senior at UConn. It was the coldest game that I had experienced. We actually didn't uh, wear. I we, hated cold. We games. had to go buy um, 
the Adidas with the nubs, you know, like the indoors, the shorts, um, yeah. because it was the 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 field was frozen, and so we had to play um, with those shoes because you couldn't get your studs into the ground, and wow. so we lost one nothing. It was a miserable game, so it wasn't even a, like a, an enjoyable experience because you couldn't feel your toes. You know, it was. Why do they play that windy. game on December fifteenth? I mean, or that weekend of? I mean, in I, the I, northeast, I get it. I get it. It's a fall season, and then the NCAA tournament stretched out. It just doesn't makes no sense to me. Well, but. Logistically, we have a few southern options to choose from. Yeah, you know, you can yeah. pick a neutral site. But it's been cold and carry. I mean, where where they've been having it the last few years. I mean, they've had some cold Final Fours in North Carolina. They had one St. Louis that that was uh, cold. I remember it being really cold. I don't know what year it was, but I, I feel like it was. Well, there. it was probably ninety two degrees the next day. <laughs> <You know? laughs> exactly. We know what that's like here in, in Cincy, but yeah, those were a couple of the early, and then you know, in my professional days we lost three finals in a row uh with new england in five six seven so that's that's well, not that's great. a good segue well yeah that's a perfect segue so um you know your your generation in particular i mean there's there's just so many names that were really part of that not not the immediate first wave of mls but one b mm-hmm. as i mentioned earlier you know in an o2 uh going two and three you had taylor and brad you're coming out in uh oh three you're drafted ninth um first question is you know uh, leaving iu and being the st louis guy and seeing all of your buddies yeah. you know having you know that are they're in the mix yeah they're playing well what did it mean to you um, you know, preparing, exiting your fourth year at IU, mm-hmm. knowing that MLS is coming knocking, and what was that process like? There was motivation in the sense that, you know, Taylor and Brad, you know, had already um, become pros and, and were having success, you know, and coming out of St. Louis, you know, yeah, that competitive edge. Yep. I wanted that, you mm-hmm. know, and so um, I was jealous of their early uh, success because they were the talk of you know St. Louis. Shit, you and, went to grade school with Taylor. And and think about well, that grade close, school. Close friends, but there was still that competitiveness. You know yeah, where probably pretty good. Uh, at he's he's a rookie scoring twenty. I don't know whatever the number was. Twenty five goals broke the record. He was yeah. he was killing it. And um, so going into uh, getting drafted by New England, um, all I knew was the Midwest. So going to you know Boston, big town. Um, just a totally different uh, lifestyle and um, having to grow up pretty quickly. But again, you you get into this new environment, you got people to help you uh, figure some shit out. And so um, we had a a great, great group in in Boston. That's probably one of the closest um, teams that I've been a really? part of. Yeah. Was we, that when you made really good friends with, with, with Ralston? I mean, Ralston, another St. Louis guy. Coleman, I mean. um, Dempsey was a part of that team. Jay Heaps, uh, Matt Reese. Um, there was just, we had a really good group and, and we competed. There were, there were fights all the time. I mean, it was just different back then. And so, yeah. Yeah. Uh, who, who did that we have on? Figure out the, the, what it was going to be like to survive as a rookie. The soccer resilience guy, was talking about those trainings when he went in in that group, and he was like, I love him now, but um, Taylor was a mother effer to play with because he didn't take any prisoners, and he's no. like, we fought. I mean, if, who, who if, was it? If you were a weak link in, in training, 
uh, it was going to be hard for you. And Taylor would let you know. Um, I'm sure I wasn't the kindest. You know, yep. there there were there were some killers. Uh, Shawry Joseph, Joey Franchino, like some of these names. If you would have if you would have just seen Joey Franchino, you'd be like, all right, I'm not going to mess with this dude. It was Wells Thompson. Wells yep. Thompson. Yep. yep. It was Wells Thompson because he's got a little. Um, uh, he's got not a little. He's got a, a company now. That it's called Soccer Resilience. Yeah, and they work with. We, they work with our boys. They work with the club. Oh, I didn't know that. Uh, yeah, well, well, Wells, he he had he 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 would flip a switch, you know, in training sometimes where he would just if if you if something pissed him off. So that was just the nature of our group. Oh, but he man. talked about that, but he, but he he said we we brought up Taylor's name. He goes. Am I still on the microphone? Yeah, <laughs> uh, we, we made it hard. He made it hard for Wells, that's for sure. So, oh, but uh, you know, it was sink or swim. If you couldn't handle that kind of, because everybody, you know, you're pros. By the way, I'm I'm a rookie in 2003, um, stepping into an environment where guys have kids and families, yep, and this right. is, you know, this is how they're supporting this their is family. Real. I'm I'm a a kid out of college supporting myself. Yeah. So if you went into training and said, oh, okay, it's okay that we lost small-sided today because I didn't track a runner, guess what? You know, the guy with uh, with a family that's trying to, to continue his career, he's going to let you know about it. And so... Um, that's, that's, that creates I think winners. that's why we had success. You know, we, when I say success, obviously we came up short in some of those finals, but, um, the, who, we, com- we competed. Who is toughest dude in the locker room? Franchino. It's not even close. Joey Franchino. If you don't know much about him, um, it, great left foot. Uh, he was a left back, you know, maybe a wing back what, at was, times. What, was he an extra in Goodwill hunting? Was he one of the brothers, friends, you know? If you saw Joey <laughs> on the street, we'll just walk the other way. He was a great teammate. I sat right next to him in the locker room. And again, you got to earn the respect of these guys right away. Yeah. And um, uh, I, it was important that I earned his respect because I knew if he, if he was on my side anywhere that I went, if anybody mm-hmm. messed with me, um, I had somebody on my back that uh, on my side that was gonna um, take care of business. Well, I can tell me. you this, because I, you know, what it was, what was I gonna do? You, um, people speak highly of you like that, like Danny Wynn, for instance. I mean, yeah. Danny Wynn said he's a, you're the best teammate he's ever played with. No shit. You know, I mean, just the way you treated people and demanded, you know, greatness. I mean, yeah. so that's high praise. I appreciate that. <laughs> yeah, it was I, it was about winning, I, I, and I say it like, uh, if you if you want to win, it, it's holding people accountable, and it, it wasn't you know winning by all costs. I wasn't trying to cheat. It was, okay, do we want to win? How do we go about having uh, success? How do we have conversations and, and, and hold guys accountable? And, um, you know, that was, that was certainly the environment in, um, in New England. And, you know, that helped us to, to achieve some levels of success. Well, I mean, you individually, you had a lot of success that year. Uh, you were, I believe you were the runner up to the rookie of the mm-hmm. year voting, et cetera. And, you know, a lot more doors are opening. In particular, the uh, the national team opportunity. Right. Um, you know, tell us tell us kind of when that came to fruition, and you know, guttural. What was your reaction when when you did get that call to hey come to camp and yeah you know let's see how this goes. It was after that rookie season. Then you go into you know 2004, and there was always the January camp, and it was you know a chance to evaluate some of the guys in the league that have done well. And you know I went in nervous. Um, you try you know you try to put your head down and work hard, and 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 not stand out for the wrong reasons. And so I think I had a decent camp. You know it, again it was a lot of new faces. So um, it, you know a chance for the coaches Bruce to evaluate. Um, the league guys, you know, 
to potentially help at the international level because it's a totally different game. And so right. uh, that was the first sniff. And, um, you know, I think I was able to continue to have an opportunity with – uh, the national team and with Bruce because of the success that we were having and, you know, being productive and scoring goals and, and getting some assists with New England. And then, you know, that gave me about a three or four year career with with a national team with Bruce when I was healthy. And um, every camp you get a little bit more comfortable, but every camp was a little different. All of a sudden you start bringing in the guys that are playing in Europe. You start bringing in the, you know, the Josh Wolfs and the Bocanegras right. and the Kellers and all these names of, you know, Joe Maximo, all these guys who have done it before. And, mm -hmm. and now, you know, you, you, now you're, the nerves are a different level. And now you're going into Azteca and, and, and Mexico for qualifying. And um, it's, you know, it, it, it was a step-by-step -step process for me to, to be able to be a part of, you know, big games. And that, so that it started success, in, in four in that, in that January camp. That, that, early, um, that early New England locker room um, setting that you just explained probably helped you out quite a bit. Yeah, because Taylor was already a part of it. Um, Ralston was already a part of it. Um, so they they knew, uh, you know, what, what they they kind of just help you out. Here's what you can expect coming in, man. Who's the guy? Here's the guys that uh, you you can trust. Here's the guys you want to be around. Um, so and that was you know indicative of any Bruce team. He he knew how to get the right people in to mm -hmm. to work for a cause and. Um, and so they were very helpful in, in the transition period of going into a, a national team camp because a lot of times you can go into that nervous and, and uh, you know, kind of um, not sure what to expect. So I think that probably helped me to at least uh, go in and, and maybe have some initial success. That's awesome. So they, they, were, they were definitely helpful with that. So what did, what did it mean to you, um, you know, personally, kind of like uh, as a fun asterisk for your first cap if you if 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 Wiki is right, Haiti, you, you get subbed in in the Haiti game, and who'd you sub in for? Damn, Ralston. Did I? According well, I know we. I remember the trip. I remember yeah. uh, hanging out with Ralston. We might have been. I think we were roommates for a portion of that trip because yeah. I remember we left that camp and we were supposed to go back to preseason, I believe, and we, and we you know got a call from a new. <laughs> Joe Cummings, what what a legend, and uh, <laughs> didn't know him as well at the time. And, and Stevie Nickel, our coach at the time, was telling us to go back to Boston. We weren't going to go meet him wherever they were in preseason. I was pissed off. I'm like, what do you mean we're not going to go with, be with the team? You know, I want I want to go, you know, be with my teammates and train. I don't want to go back to Boston for five days. And, and right. so, um, yeah, Ralston and I were were roommates on that trip in uh, Miami. Um, but that was the first. Yeah, I couldn't really tell you much about the game. We tied one one. Yeah, it was tied. It was uh, yeah. I was reading a little bit of the headlines, and it was like Richard Mulrooney, fourth uh, uh, plus four in extra time at the end of the game. You guys tie it up one yeah. one. So uh, can you a, quick? Because who scored? Do you know? Uh, I don't know how hard get, that would be. If Jared comes up with a quick question, I'll yeah. Uh, I'll I'm just curious to know if my <laughs> memory Richie is Mulrooney. good. I, I said Richard Mulrooney, but I don't know if that's accurate. I know he was a part of that trip. Um, it's funny how just there's certain names or certain uh, he was a good parts player. of the of the trip that you remember. But yeah, yeah, Haiti was the first game, and I remember getting spanked hot. by him quite a bit at Creighton. Yeah, he was a good player. Man. He was a good player. I, he, he was driven, man. He, he he's a good player. Um, and right. I bet you he remembers us spanking him a time or two. Yeah, Caliph ninety fourth. Caliph. Yeah. Okay, so I was wrong. Wow. Yeah, it was, uh, and let's see here. Um, Pope Kalis goals USA, and if I was recall, uh, Ralston um, Noonan seventy fifth minute. Sorry, seventy fifth. Okay. Yeah. Um, 
U.S. days, uh, you were part of that 05 Gold Cup team. Yeah. Um, you know, we had Brad on a little while back, and, you know, he kind of walked through, you know, the effect of the bright lights and the emotion and everything. And I, the, the best part of his story was have the game, and you guys all immediately left after the game, and he actually made it home in time to watch Sports Center with his family with the highlights That's of the crazy. game. What was your kind of, uh, you know, what's, what's that space in your brain that's stored up from your Gold Cup experience? Because that's a pinnacle in U.S. soccer history. Yeah, he's got a, he's got a, a really good memory. Um, uh, well, I should. I think he had the, did he have the game-winning penalty PK. kick? Yeah, yeah, PK. Well, I that's, that, that, that helps, but, um, <laughs> <laughs> but aside from that, trying to remember, I was injured for the final because I remember I sat up top with Ralston. In the semifinal game, we... Um, we beat Honduras two to one, I believe, and uh, came from behind. I think we were down one nothing, but I got destroyed. It was, I forget what league player it was, and, and he went through my ankle. And we were at, at the Meadowlands on grass on top of the turf, right. and you know it's hundred degrees. It's it's just a grind. But um, so I missed the final, and we were up top, and I think we shaved our heads, Steve and I, but we messed up on the like, the, the clipper, <laughs> and so we went way too short. Oh or maybe Steve God. went first, and then, I, and then we realized, like, oh, whoa, that's bad. And so I, <laughs> maybe I didn't our, shave my head. Our PR rep. That's my memory like of this. that, but we were, we were up top for that. And, uh, yeah, Brad, uh, game winner, but, you know, again, it's important to be a part of winning teams. And so we, we have that gold cup, and we win a, a trophy. Those are – that's – what drives me is aside from the relationships and the development and all these things, well, being able to hold a trophy, it's a team sport. So to celebrate that moment with your teammates is, is pretty cool. And so that was, it's a long trip, man. The gold cup is, that's a grind. You're in different cities. Um, you're playing, you know, tough games. It's hot. Yeah, um, yeah. Hostile environments. Hostile environment. It was well less hostile just because it's it's here. You know, like when you're yeah, talking about going to Azteca, Azteca, and some of these that takes on a whole different level. But it, you know, there's still certain markets within the U.S. Yeah, where you feel like you're away from home. But um, it's a long. That's that's a month, and it's it, it wears on you. But at that time, you know, I'm single. I don't have. You talk about trophies here. You know, trophies um, are the pinnacle. Well, you're what two thousand eight year in Columbus. Yeah. Did you win them all? I think you guys won. I all came of them. into the group mid season. Okay. From, from Norway, and so they had an established group. They were, I think, at the, you know, towards the top of the table. But we ended up winning uh, MLS Cup and the Supporter Shield. You know, and at that time, Supporter Shield didn't hold the weight that it does now. Because um, for me, it just it, that that means more. It's it that's. That's hard to do to to be the top team over the course of the 34 games now. But at the time, um, people didn't value the Supporter Shield as much. So we won the Supporter Shield and MLS Cup, um, and the Open Cup, didn't you? I thought you won all three that year. The, the treble. Uh, I wasn't there for the uh, oh, for the Open of, Cup yeah. because of uh, joining late. Um, but I don't think that. Oh, shoot, I should know that. But I don't think we won. I don't think they won the Open Cup that year. Did they? According to, <laughs> let's see here. Well, yeah, DC United. Yeah. Really? I so thought, it was I two out of three. I was like, man, that's I, pretty good. Well, but we had we had a great team. Scalotto, um was this guy was the man. Uh, yeah. Guillermo Barascolotto. It was uh, Chad Marshall. Um, we had a that was similar to the New England team. We just had a really good group, and I joined late, and I was a reserve player, but um, we we just really enjoyed you know 
um, each other, you know, in, in the in the company and the relationships. Yeah. And yeah. we we'd, we'd run fifteen deep when we were doing things. You know, that's you don't awesome. see, you don't see that a lot. We would right. go, and, and that's you know, with with the wives, significant others, whoever was joining us. So that also drove that group is because everybody worked for each other. You guys were tight. Everybody enjoyed each other. And so that matters. But um, so talk, so talking about that time frame, then really from your O3 entry into the league, running through your uh, cap years through 08, you know, winning, you know, being part of a team that's winning a lot of cups, you know, and beyond uh, who stands out to you? Not necessarily as a teammate, but just as the player, as a player that when you either with and or against, Mm-hmm. that was kind of like you put a little mark on the calendar, like, I can't wait for this because of that guy. Or At who, that time, or who I, just, I, I who wasn't, just like I wasn't, amazed you? Well, Landon, um, you know, competing against him, having spent time with him, you know, with the national team, and then eventually, you know, playing with him in, in 2012 with L.A. and then coaching him a little bit. He was just elite and, and um the way he moved with the ball, the way he took off and, and changed speeds, um, excellent passer, excellent fish. He was, he was a top player. Um, you know, I know this is gonna seem like I'm kissing his ass. Uh, Taylor was um, an elite goal scorer. He had uh, the shit you can't he teach. Stunk at everything else, but uh, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. Uh, his hold up play, um, he just had a, a, a feel for the game, but in in front of goal. He was so clean. God, he, was he was so a clean, sniper. and um, you know, at that time in the league, he was one of the best. And, and, and his career was derailed with the concussions because you look at his numbers and, and what he could have uh, accomplished. But um, in front of goal, um, I got to to see that every day. Um, Clint Dempsey, you know, he, he was uh, taken off at that time. But um, all those three then, guys that you're saying, they have something. Um, to me, when you're watching it on TV or you're watching Gold Cups or you're watching World Cups or you're watching MLS games, they have something about them. They have a chip on their shoulder yeah. that is just a little bit well, more of a chip than most. Yeah, I and mean, let me, they right. are motherfuckers. Yeah, and let, yeah. Me add, let me add to that. Because yeah, I, I, Taylor was. I, I, see, I, th- I believe that I still see it in them today, whether it's on a television broadcast or on Twitter or whatever. Right. There's a certain amount of edginess that comes out of guys like Dempsey and Taylor kind of just naturally, you know, and as players, you could see it when they, when they would play. And did you, did you gravitate towards those types of players um, just from a personality standpoint or was it just, you know, what, what was it about them that just inspired you? Surround yourself by winners. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you can see it when you go into training, into games, guys that um, know how to step up in the moment and have that it factor. So Mm -hmm. you try to be, be around those guys because they're going to help you be the best version of yourself. And he, before I f- go ahead, well, no, he opened the door. Did you hear him just say that? Mm-hmm. The it factor. Okay, this is a common theme in our show, and we've talked to everybody from Kenny Godat. Uh, we've talked to Brad. You know, yeah. a lot of individuals. What is it to you? Like when you watch these young players, forget about the professional level, but when you yeah. watch young kids coming up through the system, what are you looking for whenever you see a kid and they the switch of yeah. that kid's got it. Just the way they think the game, the way they um, move on the field. You know, when you talk about um, finding space, creating space, whether it's for yourself or your teammate, um, in the the key moment, in that big moment, how they're able to make a play, whether it's 
uh, getting a touch on the ball to to start the transition because they understood the passing lane or they baited somebody into something specific mm-hmm. that they wanted. And and uh, the it factor is the guy that um, understands in in the in the most important moments how to come out on top. Um, goal, assist, defensive play. They just have a feel for a game and an understanding that I need to pl- make this play in this moment uh, to help our team win a game. And so, um, you know, I think that's what I look for. When I'm when I'm watching this game out here, I'm like, all right, I talked to you about the, the, the kid up top. And I'm like, the way he, when he scores the goal, the way he um, times his movement to get a touch on the ball almost baits the that center back into thinking I got this I'm going to win this ball he gets the touch by him he takes off as the defense uh, as the goalkeeper's coming off he already knows what he's going to do with his footwork where he yeah. wants to take the ball and it, it was an excellent finish and that's why I asked you about the kid but mm-hmm. um he that that in that moment I just see from a 10 minute and again I don't know the kid but um the way he was moving on the field and and the timing of the things he was doing he, he looked like somebody that that had that I could be wrong. I don't know. That's a ten-minute clip. But <laughs> yeah, well, there it was, it was, it was something that you you notice when you've been around the game long enough. Absolutely. Is guys that um, just have a feel for making the play. So within within your camp, within your team, um, you know, obviously there are certain players that probably exhibit that it at different yeah. times. Do you ever try to uh, dissect it or nurture it or communicate with them about it to try and? maintain it or is yeah. it just for, for you as a coach and as a mentor do you yeah. just kind of let it occur organically and just stick to the game plan more that i i don't talk to to players about the it factor um you know try to position them to be the it factor and yeah. and, and and that's my job as a coach is how do i um structure our team yep. to go out and have success but um by me, you know, or our staff positioning them in certain ways, we are hopefully putting them in a position to have success, and that means we're putting them in the best position um, to have their it factor. Okay. I, I can't teach that. I can't right. teach the guy to, sure. to understand this is where the ball is going to bounce in the box in this moment. Um, you, the, the, you can we talk so much about tactics and 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 having the the influence as a coach once the game starts these guys are now in position where it's it's constantly uh it's a fluid game things are constantly changing so these players in the moment uh need to understand what the game calls for in order to make plays and 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 i can't be screaming and telling them all the things to do so that that's me positioning them (laughs) to then yeah like uh, kick it harder do what they do best (laughs) or 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 bring out the it factor in them right but that's that's on the player talk about your um we're we're now getting into this coaching you're talking about it into your coaching career you have guys that you've mentioned vitello um yegley um, Bruce, I mean, you, you, you get out to L.A., start your coaching career. I think Chris Klein was involved in that probably. Yep. Um, talk about guys that have the it factor on that side of the, of, of the bench. Um, yeah, how how, how um, using all of those guys that you've played for, how do you emulate, emulate your style now with all of those great soccer minds that you've just lived and, and, and got the fortunate um, time to spend, you know, you, you spent time with them. I mean, right. You you kind of just you, you you observe you take bits and pieces. Okay, I want to be a coach. So, um, what does Bruce do that I respect that I value? Um, what does he do that I would do different? 
Um, so I, I tried to take in all of those experiences, you know, under Bruce. Then it was, you know, it was Stevie Nickel prior, but it was Ziggy Schmidt. It was um, Jim Curtin. And so um, those are all very successful coaches. Absolutely. But I, I, I'm my own coach. And so I have things that um, I might see differently from them, but there are a lot of things that they did well that um, I say, okay, this is why they're having success. This is from the X's and the O's to the man management to the leadership. Uh, how do the, the it factor for the coach is, all right, what do I say? When do I say it? How do I say it uh, at the right time? And to get the most out of To everybody. get the most out of the individual and the team. Yep. So, all right, Jared, you might be having a, a shitty day in training out there, um, and I know something's going on. Uh, more than just your performance. And so instead of blasting you in front of the group, no, okay, let him have his day. I'm going to pull you aside and I'm going to bring you to the office. I'm going to say, hey, I, I know this is going on or I know you're struggling for whatever reason, all right? And then I can have a real conversation one-on-one -on -one so that when you walk out of the door, all right, you're going to be a better version of yourself tomorrow. And that's coaches that have a feel for uh, for their players and their personalities and the different cultures um, and how to bring it all together. And, and Bruce, the, the names, Jim, all these guys, um, not only are they, you know, good tacticians, good coaches, but um, more so than that, they're man managers and they're good leaders. And so mm. when you have that, the players, your staff members, uh, they want to work hard for you. They want to achieve success with you. Uh, and, 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 and especially when you have guys that aren't in the starting lineup or aren't the focal point of, as a staff member, how do you treat those people uh, to keep them moving in the right direction, all right, to, to, to stay right. in the same, uh, on the same path of here's our goals, here's what we're trying to achieve? Because everybody wants to be a part of it and everybody wants to feel valued. Um, and so uh, I think that's important in understanding how to bring people along um, with your message and, and how you deliver it. And uh, I've taken a lot from those coaches in, in that regard in, in terms of how I, uh, how I manage, how I lead. Wow. So, so a lot of the OGs that we've talked to coaching wise, you know, I'm talking like the, you know, the local OGs like uh, Mickler and yeah. uh, Coach Baker, et cetera. They all, they all walk around with their little notebook. Yeah. Right. And it's accumulated over 50, 50 plus years of coaching. What what's your notebook like or do you are you more of a free flow, you know, lean into kind of the uh, maybe like a looser culture and just allow yeah. them to do their thing? You know, are, or are you super structured? Kind of like give us a little insight there. I like to think I'm, uh, you know, um, I'm detail oriented, but um, I, there's no notebook. You know, I, I, I just kind of take. Um, certain moments or experiences, whether it's uh, on the field, whether it's from a game, and the memorable ones, the things that I say, oh, you know, this worked or this didn't work. Um, you know, this is how I'm going to adjust or this is what I'm going to do moving forward. I, I kind of take it organically in that regard in, in terms of growing uh, and, and becoming a better coach and a better leader. Um, but I like routine. I like routine and, and, and when I wake yeah. up, I like routine and, and how I get into the <laughs> office. I like routine and, and, and the meeting times and, um, and then, but there's the organic side of, all right, when do I have conversations with players or staff members or um, what's the day that I need to leave early and just, you know, clear my mind or be with family. Right. So it's, it's not so structured that um, it's, it's monotonous because I, I don't yeah. like the monotony sometimes of, 
of our work day and our workflow. But I, day. I do like yeah. I do like um, a lot of routine in, in certain aspects of my job um, that f- make me feel in control yeah. of, of, no. of the day and uh, of my preparation. I love that. Um, I want to go back a little bit to U.S. soccer because I've been thinking about this a lot, um, you know, in anticipation of uh, this conversation with you and thinking about some of the past conversations with other individuals that have been part of that process. And in today's marketplace, in today's current events uh, with our national team, uh, and I I think of the, the relationship between MLS, U.S. soccer, and Europe in particular, and obviously the the value that our European players are playing in U.S. soccer. You know, going back to your guys's years, you know, with with Taylor, etc. It was MLS heavy. You know, to the point of you know, it was the outliers were the European players. Right. Well, that's all flipped around a little bit. How, what's what's your take on that? And what do you what do you look at uh, that maybe MLS? Uh, can or can't, should do or whatever in regards to uh, focusing on, if yeah. it's a focus on U.S. soccer moving forward, because we're really looking at, you know, almost European exclusive at some points right. uh, for these teams that were, are being built out. Well, you see the, the the emphasis on youth development, you know, from from the MLS clubs um, and, and investments from ownership groups, um, you know, with the academies as well. But you also need, you know, these these philosophies and, and coaches to believe in them. So with Jim Curtin as an example, uh, that Union Academy was established. But um, if those if Brendan Aronson and Mark McKenzie aren't given a chance and, and aren't thrown out there uh, and given the trust by Jim, are they in at Leeds United? Are they at Genk right now? Probably not. They need an opportunity, and so I think we've we've really taken strides in terms of our youth development to get players, you know, valuable experience in big games and big moments uh, to show that what they're capable of. And I think um, now we've we've found a nice little rhythm of um, developing players um, and and then giving them opportunities to go to Europe and have success. And so now you're seeing. Uh, how that pays the dividends from you know the national team from the U.S. soccer perspective of uh, how our national team competes and and what we're capable of and obviously these next four years leading up to 26 is is going to be so 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 important and uh, you look at the, the the previous world the 22 team in that age right these guys are going to be in their prime yep. in 26 I, that's exciting to me um, they're playing in top leagues and not only are they, they playing. Uh, they're producing. And that didn't used to be the case. You maybe get a, you see guys here and there get a sniff. Right, right. Um, you know, maybe at the, the teams at the bottom of the table. But, you know, we're talking the biggest clubs in the world now where um, you got Americans that are going and, 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 and playing and, and really developing and taking their game to another <laughs> level. So I, I just think youth development, but also the investment in it is, has been, you know, vital from, from ownership groups. Um, and so – uh, that and it's not for every MLS club. You know, you have some teams that they, they value winning and trophies, and 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 the opportunity is not going to be there for, you know, the the 17, 18 year old. But there's a lot of clubs that believe in that, and it's um, it's really been uh, rewarding to see uh, how many players have come through the academies and from MLS and now been a part of our national team, but also playing in in top clubs in Europe and South America. Um, 
So I think there was another question, but uh, Hell yeah, that fires me up. Well, I purposely asked that because I knew Jared would be stewing a little bit because he's he's very, very patriotic, yeah. um, you know, and so it's like uh, as most of us are, obviously, yeah. I mean, you are you you wore you wore the colors, right? Um, you know, this but this debacle at the top and and all of that, do you think that it's too much of a distraction? You know, are, are you because I'm sure you're in terms of U.S. soccer coach who's going to lead? It's, yeah, it's one thing to see. Yeah. You know, you just referenced, you know, you look at that 22 team and you look at the average ages and you look at some of the players that have came out of the tournament and frankly, in league performance that are continuing to turn heads right. and improve at the highest level. We theoretically are sitting in a brilliant position, you know, coasting, dragging on the race, right? Yeah. Um, but we don't have a we don't have a, mass. a leader. Yeah, I mean, what's does that does that how does how does that it's bug, alarming? How bad does that bug it, you? It's alarming because um, you want that you want that coach to be in position as early as possible to start having an impact on um, you know the the cycle. And, and making sure that when we step on the field in 26, uh, we're prepared to have some real success at a World Cup. So um, my, my guess is, you know, it's, it's going to happen right after the, the Gold Cup. Um, that's some of the, uh, the news that I've heard. But the earlier, the better. But at the same time, you don't want to rush it. There's a, there's a lot of moving parts as to when coaches come available. And yeah. I mean, obviously, there's some names, American names, that have become available recently. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I won't get into the specifics of it. But what I'll say is um, you want to get this right. And Absolutely. if that takes a couple extra months and we say, okay, we can wait till the summer of 23 um, to, to get the coach that we, that we want based on whatever information they have and whatever uh, recruitment process they have, Let's get that right because if we get it right, twenty six can be can be pretty special and can take U.S. soccer, all right, and Major League Soccer uh, to another level in terms yeah. of becoming a top league and a, and a, and a top country, um, you know, with our sport. Well, let me ask you this then, because you mentioned it, you know, a few American names have become available uh, in recent, you know, literally days, weeks. Um, let, let me ask about the other side of the pond, though. What it, does how? What do you think about the prospect? Because within, you know, international news, there are some huge names that yeah. have actually been thrown into the conversation. Right. So when you hear a name like Patrick Vieira yeah. or Thierry Henry or Josie, yeah, right. Uh, because fa Taylor famously said on Twitter, "Bring them all in. Yeah, let's talk to all of them." Yep. What's your thought on a, a, a super high level established, you know, well, just a big European name? Right as potentially taking European players that are all of American right. descent. When we have into, 22 players into on 26. our team that are playing in Europe. Yeah, yeah. what's your thoughts on a European uh Yeah, I was, I was asked top? about it. I'm, I'm okay with it. Uh, if, if, if we're not going to go the, the American route, um, okay, let's get somebody that's had success uh, and experience in tournament play. That's, that's essentially what this is about, is to have success at the World Cup. Right. So... Um, the other thing is they have to value the American player and, and our league and um, our culture. And I think that's important, getting somebody in here who either, like you said, Patrick Vieira, he's, he's coached in, in Major League Soccer. So, okay, if that's the name, at least he had the respect of this league to come and coach here. Um, I think his time was successful here. I think he had good things to say, good experiences. So now he's gone on uh, and gotten even more experience. Okay, if he's the guy that's coming back, 
Um, at least it's somebody that values our league, all right, and, and the U.S. player, uh, the American right. player. That's important because if you're just going and getting a top coach – uh, who might be coming in and and doesn't value our player and and our culture and our style or what works for us? Uh, that's not the right fit. And it's not going to work. You're right. I mean, that's just not going to work. If we do that, and and that you have to what you said reference, we have to get it right. Yeah. And if we don't have a guy that you just explained, it's going to be terrible. <laughs> it's going to be absolutely yeah. a nightmare. We all we all want it to work out. We all have our our thoughts and our opinions, but. Um, it, it would be just it would be really rewarding to get the right person in place and and not just the coach but all the surrounding pieces that you need to to support the coach and to support the the federation so that in 26 you know not only is it a memorable world cup because it you know it's taking place in in the u.s as well as obviously mexico and, and canada but um, we have real success and and i have a team on the field that um you know, is a top team, uh, you know, at the World Cup. So um, it's, it's decided. Pat Noonan for coach. <laughs> well, I was I'm just going to say, I mean, look, I think, I think we know somebody that's uh, like at the top of their division. Uh, would you give up Skyline Chili? Can't if if they gave line. you the call, oh. I'm, hey, I'm, I'm not ready. I'll tell you that. At home. <laughs> Team Noonan, let's get, go. Good, good, good players get good coaches next to you that make you look good. It's not it's not rocket science. <laughs> no, no, we know that. Um, so let let's talk a little bit on the personal side. Then you know you've been you've been here two two years. Yeah, since uh, really the December of um, twenty one. You right. know when the process started. So. So that's uh, yeah, well, we, that's post COVID. Yeah, post COVID, you know, but post-COVID. you know, leading that was a, a very quick turnaround from our playoff run in Philly to be, you know, becoming the head coach and then uh, starting the process. So, so you guys m- you moved out here. Let's see if I'm doing the math right. You had a nine and a seven year old roughly at Correct. that time. Uh, what do, What do you guys do here for? F- what's your fun time? What's your non soccer time? Because you talked about you try to make sure and. You're very, very structured, but when you can yeah. get away, you want to get away. What do you do when you get away? Well, the kids' sports. So you know, I, <laughs> it's it's that's the the world we live in now because they're they're involved in stuff. So it's it's just you know driving them or, or going and and watching their games. But I enjoy I do enjoy doing that um, when I have time on the weekends during the weekdays. Um, we, we're in a great town where the kids can get on their bikes and just go play. Um, yeah. and they have a lot of friends they can walk to the school. So we're really fortunate in that regard. Um, but we, we like, be, I love being outside. I, if, if the weather's nice, I, I don't want to be inside. So we'll go, we'll go out into the yard. Um, we'll, we'll play soccer. We'll play, we'll, we'll, I'll throw uh wiffle balls to them. We'll a little barbecue we'll, going. Tell, tell Bar- me you don't I, play pickleball. Yeah, average barbecue. No pickleball though, right? We have we don't play it okay, a lot, good. but we have the pickleball. We have this. We you have the set. Zach, um, I don't mind pickleball. You're not for you. I just I don't know. Pickleball to me is like another version of curling. It it doesn't it just shows look we're like aging, and it's it's just like I want to <laughs> compete, but I can't do anything athletically anymore. So no I have been I've been no there. I've been vocal on the show about pickleball. Like I just it's like it's, so you're not fit enough to play tennis. I get yeah. it. Okay. <laughs> and then I came home the other day. My my wife had a pickleball set on this counter. I'm like, what are you doing? She's like, Beckett wanted it. And Beckett's our, you know, okay. plays it. I'm like, he's 48 years from wanting to play pickleball. What is this? Couldn't <laughs> have started too early. I'm like, <laughs> 48. This years. is not yeah. good, man. No, we're just we we like to uh, we like to hang out in the uh, yeah. in the yard. Uh, my daughter likes playing cards, so she likes uh, she likes certain games. She wants to play cards. Um, 
I think they just like because I work more now. My hours are are different. So when I get home, they just they kind of want to hang out. Yeah. And uh, they're at an age where they kind of they think I'm still cool. Well, so, they're at that age. Give it. Let's see. Your daughter is probably about twelve to eighteen months away from maybe not thinking you're so, as cool. And your son, you got a few years you. left. Yeah. There you go. Did you ever so, think you'd have a parking spot? I saw that out there. I know. Uh, you know what? I mean, you got a I, parking I don't, spot. I don't love that. I just said, let's just, we can have, here's our parking lot. I don't, I don't, I don't care about the first hierarchy. First come, first serve. And I, just, just park. I wasn't the one that put the sticker on your name. So that would be. That, okay. No. Well, I'll have a nice surprise when I get out there. No, man. Look, we totally appreciate you coming on. We know you're busy. Um, you've got Open Cup this week and yep. obviously a lot of season left. Um, you know, postseason, can we expect to see you back in the loo having uh, absolutely right on? Man, I need I need to have a longer time period though, where I can. Usually, when I go back, it's because I hadn't seen family. Now we're in a closer proximity. So, like I said, they were here this weekend. It's easier to drive when we were in L.A., Philly, all these places. When I would come back, it would be for you know a period of time where I just wanted to to chill with them. And yeah. so yeah. now it's about uh, trying to extend that so that I can you know do stuff like this. What what I, what I will say is um, at last night's game, there was a picture taken on social media, and it was the who's who it was Brad Taylor, uh, Taylor's dad, Altros, yep. uh, Keo was in it. That's awesome. If you weren't in your job right now, yeah, you you, you deservedly so be in that picture. I appreciate I mean, that, man. Well, I appreciate you, your support. Well, you, you just made the the illustrious soccer dad pod, you know, uh, yeah. wall of fame. So congratulations <laughs> to that. Thank you. It's very important. <laughs> That's great. On a Sunday, man. There's yeah. so many other things you could be doing, but we appreciate your time, man. Oh, uh, hey, this has been fun, dude. Best of luck with the season. We'll, yep. we'll keep you. in touch, and uh, you thank know, you. Thank you. We'll do it again. Take care. See, See you. you.